Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, guys, congratulations. You have made it to the weekend, and this is your Friday Roundup. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get a chance to talk about this past week's episode and also dive into some feedback from the community. And to help me with this, I have my co-host, Brad, here with me today. How you doing, buddy? I am doing quite well, Jonathan. What's going on by you? Well, this was actually an interesting week for me. So I, on the show in the past, I've talked a little bit about how I've been working with my my wife, Danielle, to actually create kind of a side hustle or business where she actually does some voiceover work, audiobook narration, that sort of thing. And we've been slowly building this on the side. And she'd actually had done a book in the past and she just started a second project. We realized we really wanted to scale it up a little bit. So we took a little bit of time to actually turn one of our closets, convert it into a sound booth. And we got all sorts of foam in place to make sure there was a great sound barrier in place. And we really had the technological aspect of it figured out. But what we did this week is we actually got her to meet up for the first time with a voice coach. And uh, Jeffrey in our community actually suggested his spouse, Keith, who does voice coach acting in Norfolk. We met up with him and he was just amazing, Brad. My wife was so excited. Everything clicked into place and she was able to connect the dots between just reading the words on the page to actually bringing these characters to life. So I wanted to give a shout out to Keith Flippin, who has a website at beanactor.com out of Norfolk, Virginia, but also just take a second and say what it meant for my wife to actually take this amount of time and put it into a passion project of hers. You know, so much of what we've done over the last year has been dedicated to try and build Choose FI and working on this project. So it's been very, you know, me and you centered to some degree. And this was almost this enabling cathartic experience where for a single day, it was all about her. And it was like the ultimate for her. Like she said to me on the way home, this was the best date that I could have ever imagined. She just, she had the time of her life and it was exciting to really see her come alive as she explored this project. That is incredible. Good for Danny. And what a neat thing. This is not like a little just side project. This can be a business for her. That's what's so cool. And it's neat that you're exploring that with her, that a member of our community was able to assist. I mean, that is just fantastic. And I know for a lot of the stay-at-home moms out there, they live their day-to-day life raising kids. And like you said, I think this past week, you guys unfortunately got hit by the flu and you realize just how difficult it is to be that stay-at-home parent, right? Yeah, no kidding, man. Nothing like both my wife and son getting sick to convince me of how helpless and hopeless I am uh, (laughs) in that particular role. So fortunately, both of them have bounced back. Everybody's doing well. And I'm more grateful than ever for what an amazing both wife and mom Danny is. So it's been a very, very interesting week, but it's super exciting for her, you know, as a, as someone who has her master's degree in education, who had the perfect job setting as a school and took some time off to be a stay at home mom. I could see her kind of grappling with, 
is it enough? You know, is that enough just to focus on my child and also maybe looking for something else that she could put her talents into? And I tell you, man, over the last two weeks, she's really come alive with us. It's just really, really cool. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Having the ability to create that side hustle as big or as small as she wants, right? Or whoever starts up a side hustle. I've, I've talked in the past about my wife, Laura, who works tax season. So basically we're recording this on February 6th. She's pretty much starting today or tomorrow and she'll go through April 15th and she gets two months as a basically full-time-ish accountant. And that's very stimulating for her intellectually. Whereas she has her normal life 10 months a year, basically. She has this job for two months, but it, but it doesn't feel onerous. It doesn't feel like, oh, I've got to work taxis. And it's for her, it's, hey, I get to keep up. I get to be back in the swing of things. I get to interact with coworkers. So there's a lot of positives to that. And the beautiful part is you can adapt it to whatever your situation is, right? Like Danny, as your son gets older, she can potentially grow this more significantly. She might decide, okay, this is fun for once or twice a year and that's that, or she might just keep on growing it. That's what's so neat is you just never know where it's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I saw an article on diversify.com and the author uh, used this term W2 retirement. And on that post, the author made the case that they were just really looking not so much for early retirement as much as W2 retirement. And I think it's very interesting. The FI community increasingly so over the last year has rejected this idea of early retirement and traded it in for optional retirement or rather pursuing a work that you're no longer necessarily doing for the money. It may earn you income, but it's not the driving factor. Rather, it lights you up and money may be a unintended side effect. And if you can get those two to overlap, that is a secret sauce of life. And that is where the FI community is so well positioned. It gives us the freedom to fail, right, Brad? I mean, it gives you the ability to absolutely pursue a hobby, passion, or interest without worrying about how you're going to keep food on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate inflexibility. That's incredible. And and yeah, your situation there is, is the perfect case in point, right? Danny can grow her business, but she doesn't need to because you've done all the things that are necessary for FI or FFLC, as you call it, fully funded lifestyle change, where you've cut your expenses to the bone, you've paid off all your debt. And that's that. That affords you flexibility and options. And now she doesn't need to make tens upon tens of thousands of dollars from her voiceover acting or book narration or whatever you want to call it. She doesn't need to do that, but it's conceivable it might grow to a significant level. But right now it's this fun, exciting project for her. And just having those options to explore things that you otherwise never would when you're stuck in that W-2 job. That's the key to me. But let's highlight that even further. You know, when you are paycheck to paycheck, literally you're just trying to make it to your next shift on time, get home, take care of your never ending list of responsibilities and maybe squeeze in some cooking, some laundry. But, you know, these other tertiary factors, which really are so critical, get just left behind. But if somewhere along the way you are able to get to the point where you have a few money, you're able to afford a fully funded lifestyle change, you're on the way to financial independence. And we talk about how you're separating yourself from the hamster wheel, you're building distance, you're building runway. 
what you find on that journey, which is why the conversation is so addictive, is that you're actually able to start putting more attention into these other tertiary factors, which are so critical. You put more time into your relationships, your relationships get better. You put more time into your health, your health gets better. You put more time into developing additional income streams potentially, which then gives you even additional traction on the path to financial independence. And each one of these different levers that you pull, that you put into place, gets you just a little bit closer to your goals. And that is why just the conversation, that's why this show is so fascinating endlessly to me, just at a personal level, because it's not just being at financial independence. It's all the little opportunities that avail themselves to you as you separate yourself from the hamster wheel. Yeah, I love that, Jonathan. And and that reminds me of a post on our Facebook group this week where Tracy asked about everyone's favorite life hacks. And she said how that was one of her favorite parts of the hot seat. Kevin Clack, who's a good friend of ours and who lives here in Richmond, actually responded basically saying that automation is his favorite life hack. Being able to automate different areas of my life gives me the headspace to work on what is most important to me right now. And when you were talking there, that definitely struck me as something that I wanted to bring up here on the podcast because that kind of speaks to that whole discipline equals freedom concept. And we've talked about that in in passing. It's from Jocko Willing's book, Extreme Ownership. And I think it's often misconstrued where discipline equals freedom might convey like, okay, you have to be ultra disciplined at every given second of the day. And, And that's not it at all. It's allowing you being disciplined and having this framework of your life. In Kevin's case, automation. In my case, we try to set up systems in our life so we don't miss things so that everything's kind of running on autopilot. Having that framework of that discipline or order, if you will, gives us this freedom to do all these other higher level things. It was so interesting to me that Kevin brought that up and how you were talking about there, when you're so busy, when you're in the nine to five grind, it compounds the issues because in your spare time, you have to do laundry, you have to do food shopping, you've got to worry about all this miscellaneous stuff that goes into your life and you don't even have time necessarily to set up those systems or set up automation or whatever it may be. So there's just so much more that goes into a Phi life and it does give us that space to think and to plan for the future and see how we can make an impact on the world. When we call this a superpower, to me, that's where it comes from. It comes from having that headspace to think about these higher level issues. And really, that's like a perfect segue for me into the episode Monday with Corey, because it's talking about headspace and it's talking about meditation and mindfulness and and how do we create some more of that ability to take a step back and see what's really going on in our lives. Yes, Brad, that was an epic transition. I mean, you're talking about this idea of bandwidth. That's what's tying all these different threads together. And what Corey did is I think he gave us a relatable framework that we can build on that helps us figure out where mindfulness fits into this piece of the puzzle. And that was what was so perfect about the episode with Corey. I love that he so closely identified with the Phi community. I loved how relatable his message was. I think there were so many overlapping threads there. It's very easy when you start talking about mindfulness to attach the word guru to it and almost dismiss it out of hand. As you say, this doesn't hold value for my life. But I think what Corey did is he showed the practical competitive advantages when you build mindfulness and intentionality into your daily living. Yeah, I agree completely. And and 
there was just so many insightful quotes from Corey all throughout this episode. I tried to jot down as many as I could possibly. And, and one of them just really stuck out to me, which was out of nowhere, I just started to feel better, not radically better, not like the clouds had parted and all my problems went away, but I'd be walking around campus and out of nowhere, I just start feeling good. And that to me is, is similar to the results that I've seen from my mindfulness practice over the last couple of years, which is very low key. I mean, like I don't do anything especially difficult or time consuming by any means. It's 10 minutes a day is my goal. That doesn't mean it happens every single day. Of late, I've been actually pretty bad with it, frankly. But I find that in weeks where I am spending those 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, reliably five plus days a week, I just feel better. And it's hard to even quantify. It's not something that if you're a scientifically based mind that you can try to figure it out in your own day to day, but you just notice you're calmer. You don't react to everything. You can find that space between the stimulus and the response that we talk about, like the Viktor Frankl quote. So to me, that that's the benefit. It's not that you're going to feel blissful every second of every day. That's not the purpose here. Like Corey said, it's not radically better. You're just a little bit better. I know Dan Harris has a podcast, 10% Happier, after a, a book of the same name that he wrote. And actually, Corey was on the Dan Harris podcast uh, about seven months ago, and really interesting episode for anyone that wants to go back and listen. And Dan actually brought him back on to try to help Gary Vaynerchuk, of all people, learn how to meditate, which was really absolutely fascinating to listen to. And and Gary's an open-minded guy. And it was just neat to hear my friend Corey sitting there talking to Dan Harris from ABC News and Gary Vaynerchuk. So yeah, it was, it was very cool. Can you imagine being the one that's trying to slow Gary down? I mean, honestly, that's like standing in front of a train as the, just the thoughts wash over you. But this guy is, this guy is intense. I mean, I've listened to a couple of his podcast episodes and I've read one or two of his books and this guy is an idea machine and it just doesn't shut off. You know, if I've talked about myself, like occasionally I get very excited and exuberant and I have all these different ideas. He makes me look like I'm sitting still all day long. <laughs> that is very, very true. Yeah. You certainly have exuberance and Gary V is a hundred X you. So yeah, he's, he's intense. And for me, one of the things that really stood out to me, you know, especially as we're doing this skinny waist fat wallet challenge for the next several weeks on our Facebook group him speaking about some of the mundane thoughts that he deals with and what he does with those and how he relates to those. And I honestly, I felt like he was channeling myself. And so if you're watching your diet and you're trying to clean up and be more intentional with the foods that you're eating, you find very quickly that you just get into the habit of saying no to yourself all day long. You just got to say no to self for 12 weeks. And I thought his insights of how, instead of just trying to resist, constantly resist, by being in this particular place, this intentional place, he just observes the thoughts and almost looks at them and says, huh, that's interesting. Instead of standing in front of it and always resisting a tidal wave and just getting worn down slowly, it's almost like you move to the side and then you just observe the tidal wave and say, huh, I wonder why you're thinking that. And then you can just toss it aside and then move on. It's very much a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee mentality. And I was fascinated to see Corey talk about it in such a relatable way. Yeah. And Jonathan, that's actually something that I wrote down as well, which is he said, you're noticing these thoughts. You're not erasing them. And that's a crucial point. He said, show some compassion for yourself. Even him, Corey went to Burma for six months on a silent meditation retreat. And he said, 
the longest he went without a thought was like 48 seconds. You know, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but, but that just shows this is not about erasing thoughts. It's not about ascending to some higher level of consciousness. It's just being there, knowing that you're human, knowing that you're going to have these thoughts. You just observe them, take a step back. Don't let every single thought or emotion control you and ruin your day and just show some compassion for yourself. We all sit there. We all sit there and think about Facebook or what we're going to cook later in the day. And, and you just get ahead of yourself, but just be in the moment a little bit. And it does sound kind of hokey, but like when you actually do it, it's just so calming. I can't describe, like, I just feel great when I'm sitting there for 10 or 15 minutes with my meditation. And then afterwards you just feel calm. Like you just feel you do have that little extra bit of control over your life. And as, as Dan Harris calls it, it's just 10% happier. It's not you're a thousand percent happier. You're not revolutionizing your life. You're just that little bit happier at the margin, but it just does really make that difference. You know, you mentioned the Viktor Frankl quote. It's been mentioned on our show many times. I want to get a t-shirt, um, <laughs> but I think it's worth just slowing down and pausing on that. And the quote is between stimulus and response, there's a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom and mindfulness and the daily practice. All you're doing is you're just focusing on that space. You're giving it a little bit more attention. If you can recognize that space and take action based on that, instead of just this grazing mentality that says, whatever comes into my brain, I do, you change your entire worldview and the entire world opens up, right? And I just think that is a quote that will continue to come to mind. It should be a framework worldview type quote that gives you power over your life in a very tangible way. Yeah. And Phi is about regaining power in your life. And also on some level, it's, it's taking a step out of the normal society, which is based on the here and now buying everything you can. And there's some aspects certainly of delayed gratification in saving money, right? Whether we like to admit it or not, there, there is some aspect of that delayed gratification. So to me, it's not deprivation, though. That's the beautiful thing. It's it's buying, as Joel from 5180 says, that perpetual money-making machine. We're buying the ultimate luxury. But it is down the road, right? It's not right now. And, and Corey's quote was, and rather than frugality, which is this thing that we have to suffer through or this renunciation, but it's to actually see the bliss in that having less things actually lends itself to this freedom of mind, this spaciousness of mind. That's how he tied it back to Phi. And I just love that because that is really, that ties together a lot of what we've been saying on this particular episode, where even going back to what I said with discipline equals freedom, right? It's having that control over your life. It enables you to have that freedom of mind and that spaciousness of mind to figure out what you want to do in life. So this all ties together. And that's why, you know, some people might look at an episode like this and say, why are we talking about mindfulness on a podcast about personal finance. And we actually did get a comment like that, but we've been very clear for many, many months now is we look at this show and Phi in general as a life optimization strategy. It's not just the nuts and bolts of, of money. It's about every aspect of getting a better life and having that space to think and to plan and to figure out what you want out of life is just so crucial. That is a key pillar of Phi for me. And Brad, I think you touched on something I'd like to talk about a little bit further, and it's that aspect of hedonic adaptation. 
it's very easy to get used to all the luxuries that are in your life and take them for granted and then just add more onto that to give additional stimulus to bring additional quote unquote joy. At some point, you lose touch with what's actually adding value to your life. And we talk to people and we've done it consistently about removing almost to a deprivation type place, removing all these different pieces from your life so that then you can go back and add things back in and find out whether or not they really bring value. Corey pushed this to the extreme. He got rid of everything. You could talk specifically about going and becoming a, you know, a monk at a temple in Burma, or you could just talk about what the practical implications of that were, which is kind of where I want to focus today. He got rid of everything in his life that would have brought any significant value based on any human standards, right? All levels of comfort. He just got rid of all of it. And for six months, he had nothing except for his robes and his quiet thoughts, his quiet place, right? A couple of very small meals a day. And he was just stuck with that. And that became his new norm, which is why the question became so fascinating. What was it like to reenter society? What was it like to be overwhelmed by all the stimulus of the world around you? I think we're all interested in that because when you put it in that particular framework, you realize that it would be overwhelming. And I guess it's overwhelming because so much of it is noise. And my question is, How much noise is in your life that you just take for granted? And if you removed it, would your life be better? I think that many of us have never even taken the time to contemplate that. Yeah. And I love how Corey, as a young kid at that point, I mean, at 22 years old, to have that thought to sit back and say, what do I want out of life? And whenever he went on this thought experiment, it all led to him wanting to be happy. And he did talk about that hedonic adaptation and wanting more and more. And that's that's how most of society operates. But he said, quote, my driving question then became, what is the potential to cultivate a well-being, a contentment that is not so derived from external variables? To me, that was going inside and figuring out what makes you happy? What do you want out of life? And Jonathan, to your point, that, that reminded me of what the happy philosopher said on our episode where he talked about alligators and kittens. The alligators that's the noise. That's all those things in your life that's taking up space that you're wasting hours on, that you're wasting mental energy on, worrying or just dealing with all this negativity. And his philosophy was get rid of it, which to your point, that sounds like what Corey did as well, is just get rid of the negativity. And once you're there, right, once you've gotten rid of all that, then you can focus on the kittens, right? The things that make you happy in life. To me, it's so interesting when we have these different guests come on from completely different realms, right? The happy philosopher is a medical doctor. Corey was a Burmese monk, but yet they have all arrived at similar assessments of what the world is and what makes it tick for them. So I I just love seeing those common threads across different episodes that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily expect. So it's really, really cool stuff. And the final thought that really occurred to me was that relationship between physical pain and emotions. Did you hear how he commented when he was in Burma and he was feeling very sorry for himself and what sort of choices have I I made by focusing on that? It actually made the physical pain worse, right? Yeah. His quote was fueling the intensity of the suffering of the pain just by the narrative going on through my head. And that's incredible. That's an incredibly powerful statement. And when you realize exactly what's actually being said, it can work to your advantage because if it's possible for thoughts to drive pain and anguish, 
and, and to turn emotion into physical pain, then it should be possible to do the opposite. Yeah, you're 100% correct. And when you really sit back and think about this, and, and I try to do this often, it's our entire world is just based on what's firing in our brains at the moment. If you want to be happy, you just choose to be happy. If you're frustrated and you want to walk around in a huff all day, okay, well, that's going to continue unless you try to fix it. And believe me, I am nowhere near perfect. I just want this to be 100% clear on this podcast. I know I talk about a lot of this exploration that I've done, and I am far from perfect. I'm sure Laura, my wife, when she comes on a future episode, she she can tell you about this. But I try. I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing is I'm just trying to get better. But I still walk around here in a huff sometimes. I get frustrated, get angry. So this is not us talking about this from on high of how perfect we are. It's we are on this journey with you, the audience, just trying to get a little bit better. And just by being cognizant of how your entire world is impacted by your mental frame, that can help. And that I've noticed because that has helped me get a little bit better. And frankly, it's a lot better than I was at my worst, but it's still not perfect and very far from it. So it's, this is a journey and we all just, we do what we can to live better lives. Brad, I love that you mentioned Laura coming on the show because I know we've been starting to see this common thread in our Facebook group asking us, you know, when are you going to have your wives on the podcast? And we've actually had a discussion about this. What would make for a great show? Because certainly they do add so much to this conversation. You guys tend to hear all of these thoughts through the very focused filter of Brad and Jonathan. And our personalities are incomplete unless you add our wives to that conversation. Right, Brad? Yeah, without a doubt. So yeah, Laura and I have been talking about this for sure. And and yeah, we'd love to do an episode with the four of us. And I think maybe the best way to do it would be to field questions from the audience. So we'll probably put up a couple posts, maybe one for questions for Danny, one for questions for Laura, and just put it in the Facebook group. And we'll see what the most popular questions are. I know Laura doesn't want, she's a, a little bit nervous about coming on. So the free flowing just conversation wouldn't work as well. But ideally, yeah, we have a handful of these questions and, and just ask them what you think would be valuable based on what you know about us, what you want to learn about our lives. I mean, I think it could add a lot to, to this conversation. So, and it doesn't have to be a one-time thing either. I mean, they're, they really are the third and fourth member of the podcast since we talk about them so often. And uh, yeah, I think it could be a really fun episode. Yeah, Brad, I I love that idea. And we'll certainly put a thread in the Facebook group uh, when this goes live to collect your feedback. It's actually really interesting. One, to get their perspective on what this journey has been like for them as, you know, our spouse being on this kind of roller coaster ride the last year has been as Choose If I takes up more and more time. I think that's one very interesting component to this, but also for them getting more and more involved in the FI community, right? I mean, as this is take as the FI community becomes a bigger part of our lives individually, that's happened to them as well. And what's so interesting is my wife has been blown away going from kind of an outsider and her husband's just kind of all in on this and super excited about it, but she's kind of just observing it from the outside. But now she's getting more and more involved. She's just blown away by how welcoming the community is and also it's turned on like this curiosity factor where she's starting to explore new ideas and try new things and like messages from frugal woods. When we had her on last year, she started becoming reading religiously all of frugal woods content and she joined a buy nothing group. And now she's engaging in these buy nothing groups. And so a lot of the topics and ideas and things that we've talked about on the show, she started adding to her life as well. And so I think it would be really fascinating to get a chance to hear 
what this has been like from her perspective. Yeah, and becoming part of the community is really essential. And and we get questions all the time from significant others, spouses, how do I get my spouse on board, right? And that could be a cool perspective for you and I are so different and presumably Danny and Laura are very different as well and have come to FI from completely different places. So to hear their perspectives and also hear how they've become involved in the FI community is really neat as well. Like I know Laura is going to attend her first Camp FI here in Mid-Atlantic in two months. So that should be cool. And it, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different levels of this. So yeah, I really can't wait to have them on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So Brad, another news, uh, the stock market crashed. Have you changed your asset allocation and starting prepping yet? <laughs> prepping. No, I don't even think I uh, checked. It was funny. I didn't even realize that it was going down. But yeah, evidently it's dropped, uh, what, 1,500, 2,000 points in the last couple of days when we're recording this. Yeah, it really is amazing. I'm getting all of this third hand. I did not hear about this from uh, CNN or NBC or the major news channels. I'm hearing about this from people that are coming to the Facebook group asking whether or not everything's okay. And I was like, is, did anything happen? Like I haven't been on to personal capital. I haven't checked my accounts. I haven't changed my asset allocation. Literally, this is the first time I've even mentioned it in conversation, but it's amazing how the market drops 2% when it's up how many percentage points since the beginning of the year and the world is suddenly ending, right? Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually, while you were talking, I was pulling up a chart for the Dow and yeah, it looks like currently when I'm recording this on the 6th that it's fairly close to where it was on January 1st at the beginning of the year. It's just it had a huge run up for the first month, nearly month of the year. And yeah, there was uh, there was a drop. I mean, these things happen. So are we saying that there's not going to be a continued continued drop? No, we have no idea. That's that's the key. Like none of us have any idea. That's why market timing is so difficult because you have to get it right both times. You have to get it right at the top when you sell and at the bottom when you buy. And that is just too difficult for me, at least. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I don't think, frankly, anybody really is. But that's why it seems like a fool's errand. So I just choose to tune it out and I control what I can control, which is my own savings, my own savings rate. And I just continue dumping money into the stock market every single month. Believe me, when I wake up, when I'm 70, I'm going to have more money than I could possibly, possibly imagine. So to me, it's control what you can control and and move forward in whatever intelligent manner works for you. For some people, they might want to sell everything. You know, I'm not here to dictate. I'm not here to say what is a right strategy. But for me, I believe that I have no ability to determine what's a top, what's a bottom of a market. So I don't even try. I just save as much money as I possibly can. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be a pretty good long-term strategy. I couldn't agree more, man. You know, I thought it would be important to just take a couple minutes to address it because I'm sure it is on people's minds right now. And they're looking for some sort of counterbalance for whatever it is that the news stations are pumping out there right now. Let me tell you something. The news stations, they're not trying to inform you. They're trying to hook you through the next commercial break. It is not in their best interest for you to feel at peace and at ease. And and even from the market's perspective, it's likely not in the market's best interest for you to feel at peace and at ease. Traders make money on trades. There's commissions to be made when people are moving money around. For me personally, for Brad, just ignore the noise and go on about your day. Follow your asset allocation. If you're suddenly uneasy, then maybe you are being too aggressive to begin with, and maybe you should have another look at your asset allocation to make sure that that's something that you truly can be comfortable with. But don't lose sleep over it at night. You really shouldn't. Jonathan, I love that point, and I do want to focus on that, is you have to do what you're comfortable with. This is not us 
giving blanket advice. It's you need to figure out. And, and that was an essential point. If you can't deal with this, then maybe you are being too aggressive. Maybe you need to cut back on your equity allocation. That's a perfectly plausible position. But selling everything in a fit of fury or, or scared or worry or whatever you want to call it, I, I don't even know, that is not the best long-term play. So to me, that seems a little overblown, but you have to always do what you're comfortable with. Really sit back and do it in a measured manner, not in a, oh my God, the sky is falling, the stock market's down a thousand points today. That kind of stuff doesn't help when you do it just out of worry. So come up with a plan and execute that plan for the long term, not for this minor little correction or whatever you want to call it. These kind of things happen every single year and they will happen forever. So you need to get over that. You need to figure out what's the long term play. So Brad, I thought it would be fun. You know, we try to mix it up every once in a while. And one of the themes that we always circle back to is the second generation fire conversation. It's one of the ones that when you look back five or 10 years from now, I hope the work that we've done on this show has significantly contributed to parents' abilities to instill these values in their kids and see their kids thrive, not because they're enabling them, but because they're empowering them. And with that, I actually have an email that I'm excited to read for you. So this email is from Brian and he says, Jonathan and Brad, I wanted to reach out to you on second generation fire as that has become a huge talking point on the podcast. I found your podcast about a month and a half ago and was instantly hooked, which quickly led to my wife being hooked. This has been an absolute life changer. My wife and I are both 25 years old working in Maryland with no kids at this present moment. I'm sure many of your listeners have kids or plan to have kids and may want to implement these sorts of techniques to put their kids at a life advantage. I just wanted to share with you a method my parents took to teach me and my sister's personal finance. I wanted to preface this with growing up, we were not financially well off. My mother was a teacher and my father worked in labor. When I was about seven years old, my dad created what we called dad's bank for me and my two sisters. We each had a small six by four spiral notebook, which was our banking records. In the notebook, we would document every transaction with date, withdrawal, deposit amount, new balance, and both of our initials for verification. While this may seem so simple, by the age of seven, I fully understood how banking worked. When we wanted to buy something like a video game, a toy, a bike, whenever we had to take it out of dad's bank, if we did not have the cash on hand, we would sit with our dad, fill out the transaction information, and he would give us the cash. This also gave him the chance to instill frugality on us if he did not believe it was a good use of the money. By saying things like, I will be happy to withdraw this for you, but are you sure you want to take out the $50 to spend on this? That's a lot of money. And it can grow in even more money if it stays in the bank. Half of the time, we would change our mind and the other half, we would buy it anyways. I see a lot of kids simply asking their parents for something and their parents buy it for them. No strings attached. If the kids have no skin in the game and are accustomed to getting what they want, when they want, it forms bad habits. Whereas from an early age, we were learning the true value of money. On holidays like birthdays and Christmas, we were obviously too young to go to the store and buy gifts for people. So he would buy multiple things, place them on the bed as if it was a small shop and let us pick out what we wanted to give to the family member and he would sell it to us. He would let us buy it from him for 25% or something of whatever it is that he paid not to deplete our savings every Christmas and birthday. So if I wanted to give my mother a $40 necklace, I would pay my dad $10. But where did we get the money to begin without those jobs though? We would get a small weekly allowance, about $1 per grade we were in per week. So seventh grade, you get seven bucks a week. We could do whatever we wanted with this. He always encouraged us to save the money, put it in a bank, but we could withdraw it whenever we wanted. 
Now, we'd also get small sums of money for birthday holidays from relatives. Now, the important aspect of all this is the interest rate on dad's bank. From the very beginning, we had an interest rate of a whopping 10% per month. This was so crucial and really helped us understand compound interest. We would sit down every month with our bank books and we'd do the math together, adding in the 10% for interest. We watched our banks grow and grow and grow. He pointed out how the interest is more than the previous month because it's growing on interest. Now, while this 10% per month seems insane at first, and it is, keep in mind, we were starting with probably $25. We had an allowance of about $2 per week and we're responsible for buying anything we wanted for ourselves. Now, this encourages savings, top banking, and we learned in detail how compound interest works. Not only that, but it was seriously good family time instead of just playing games. Now, I wish I could say that I still use that bank and I'm still getting 10% per month, but of course it had to end. I believe that it was just before high school that dad's bank began to go bankrupt due to an unsustainable financial business model. Our rates dropped from 10% down to five and later to 1% a month. By 14, we took our money and put it into a local bank and learned about CDs. Probably during the latter year or two of the bank, it probably started to cost my parents a bit more money from the high interest. The lessons we learned was invaluable. None of us were straight A students, yet we all turned out very fiscally responsible. One sister majored in finance, now works for Google and owns a big growing side hustle. The other followed my mother's footsteps and became a teacher, but also owns multiple rentals and a huge side hustle. I'm currently in sales, working less than 20 hours a week and making six figures with a combined savings rate of about 60% and debt-free. Hopefully this technique can be useful to someone. I look forward to hearing more, Brian. Brad, this is the sort of concepts that when you realize that the light bulb goes off and you says, oh, I could start that tomorrow. I cannot wait to have a conversation with my child next week because this is something we could actually do. Yeah, while you're reading that, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face. I mean, that is just so cool. Like Brian said, there are all these lessons. And not only that, but family time, right? Family time together. They're sitting there with their notebooks doing the math. I mean, how neat would that be to just sit in a room with your brothers and sisters and your parents and and you're doing the math on this compound interest of the bank of dad? And sure, obviously, we'd all love to get the 10 percent per month or even heck the one percent per month. Right. When when it ultimately went down to. But it's just so neat to hear all these different second generation five stories. And and we're all just we're all just trying to figure this out. I know, actually, it's funny, we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but my daughter, Anna, she wants to go to the bank on Saturday. She has, I think in her savings bucket, she has $207, which I don't know how she got so much money, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> frankly, it, it would I would go broke if I had to pay her 10% per month, I think, based on her uh, crazy savings rate. But she told us, she's like, I want to put this money into the bank and then do that thing on the computer so I can get a million dollars someday, right? <laughs> she still wants to go buy that national park, right? Yeah, yeah. she's she's unbelievable. She, like, like I mentioned on a podcast a while back, we talked about compound interest and we sat down with Microsoft Excel and showed her what it meant and what it would mean over her lifetime. And that's where that kind of joking, I want to have $1 million comes from. And But she's not joking. She's very serious about it. And she just does not waste money. She's all about saving. She constantly is asking the price of things. She has like a very astute business mind, I've noticed, which is just so interesting to see like your nine-year-old kid come up with these really insightful questions. She asked us one yesterday that, that Laura and I were just like flummoxed by. And it's interesting. And I don't know how much of it is biology, how much of it is her being in this house, but regardless, it's definitely working. And I'm going to take this bank of dad thing. Like to me, it's 
adding these extra little things in just to get your system better. She should have some type of interest or maybe, you know, me having matching, whereas she has like a quote unquote spending bucket. Maybe if I offered a hundred percent match on that, she would turn that into savings. And to me, that's an interesting financial decision that she'd have to make as a nine-year-old, right? Do I forego this spending for potentially double that amount in savings and then to get to her goal of this million dollars? So, I mean, that's something I'm curious to see. I don't know how she'd respond, frankly. I haven't offered that. I just thought of it now. But I think that's something we're going to float. And yeah, maybe I'll, uh, I'll report back in the next week or two on that. I'm excited to document her response on the show. Nice. Yeah, I should get her to put a voicemail in, right? <laughs> That'd be so cool. It'd be so cool. She'd have that forever. It'd be really neat. You know, Brad, the idea of this Friday show has always been to crowdsource feedback and ideas that we can learn from, things that we haven't thought of, perspectives that we haven't lived ourselves, and just add this extra dimension to this journey that we're all on together. Several weeks ago, we did a episode on medical tourism, and there was a voicemail that is so relevant to that conversation that I'm incredibly excited to play for you today. Hi, Brad and Jonathan. My name is Chance. And I'm his wife, Amberly. We are big fans of the podcast. We haven't missed an episode. We have a frugal win of the week we would like to share with the community. Well, it's more like the frugal win of a lifetime. Yeah, I agree. First, a little background. After three years of trying to start our family, about a year ago, my wife and I were given the diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Unfortunately, this only left us with a few expensive options that aren't covered under our insurance. Some of the options cost several thousand dollars with as little as 5% chance of success. In vitro fertilization, or IVF, would give us the best chance of success at about 50-60%. to However, it costs tens of thousands of dollars in the U.S. per try. We aren't gamblers, so it took us a couple months to consider our options. As an optimizer myself... I started to research. There had to be another way. I learned through the infertility subreddit that IVF is available much cheaper in some other countries. After a lot of research, including a conversation with my uncle who is an obstetrician, we decided to attempt donor egg IVF in the Czech Republic. This procedure runs $35,000 in the United States, but only 5,000 euros in the Czech Republic. Though the procedure costs much less, Getting to the Czech Republic has a cost of its own. Luckily, we found credit card hacking about four years ago and were able to utilize a combination of Delta, Hilton, Hyatt, Chase Ultimate Rewards, and American Express business points to almost completely cover the costs of our hotels and flights. We spent 24 nights visiting six different countries on two trips to Europe. Side note, we spent less than $100 a day on food, sightseeing, and public transportation. We figured if IVF didn't work, at least we got an amazing vacation. Luckily, we got a little bit more than a vacation. Yep, I'm pregnant with twins. I guess we got the buy one, get one deal. We are so excited. We can't wait to meet them. This simply would not have been possible without our FI mindset. We still have enough credit card points left that we could do both trips over again. But since I'm 18 weeks pregnant, we're going to try to fit in a domestic vacation before the twins arrive. Since we combined travel hacking with medical tourism, we were able to still reach all of our FI goals in 2017. This was our first full year of FI, and we maintained over a 60% savings rate. But more importantly, we finally get to fulfill our dreams of becoming parents. 
So thank you, Brad and Jonathan, for the podcast. We love hearing the stories of others' journeys to financial independence. We hope that by sharing our story, we can help other couples struggling with infertility as well. To Chance and Amberly, Brad and I are genuinely blown away. That is the most compelling, amazing voicemail, and you, and you guys are crushing it. And you know, you get this diagnosis that seems crippling, and instead of just settling for that and resigning yourself to that fate, you leveraged creativity, resourcefulness, you leaned on your network, and then you implemented all the different things that we talk about in this community, and it's empowering to just listen to how you implemented everything that you know we've spent all this time talking about, but you've actually done it. And I guarantee you there's someone else listening to this that has been inspired by the story that you are willing to share. So thank you so much. And I cannot wait to highlight more and more of these stories where people have figured something out because someone else laid the groundwork. They were able to build and expand on that. That is very, very exciting. You know, Brad, with regards to this voicemail, it's amazing to me how framing is everything, even personally for us. It's easy for me to get fixated on what's not going well or what's not going as fast as I would like for it to go or get overwhelmed for some really silly or inane reason or maybe something that's not trivial, but to let those factors pile up and dictate your day and tell you that you don't have control over your life and that life is happening to you and that there's nothing that you can do. And you can be, you can drown in that. But but it really, it can be a choice, right? I mean, you have the option to say, I have all these built-in advantages and these are the things that I can control. And the more you expose yourself to people that are facing challenges much greater than yours and leverage their autonomy, leverage their creativity, take control of the situation and exert their influence on it, suddenly you're like, nothing can stop you. And it totally is which worldview do you have going into the day? And that's what we were talking about with Corey. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. You know, yeah. that's, that's it. That is it. That's all of life. Succeeding in life is realizing that how you frame it matters more than anything. Really. That's if I could give my kids one piece of advice, it would be that. And I have one more voicemail that I want to play for you today. And this voicemail just speaks to the fact that having a purpose for doing what you're doing makes a difference. It makes a difference to understand the why without the why this can be a very lonely journey. Hello, Brad and Jonathan. This is Gavin O'Brien here. Just wanted to really say thank you so much for everything you do. Before I, I heard about Choose FI, I was really just just interested in saving, and I didn't really have a reason why. I also didn't really understand the, the taxes and how to use credit cards effectively. And over the past year, I've learned a lot about retirement accounts, taxes, and I'm going to be planning uh, to go on my, my first exclusively points uh, to Hawaii in uh, February to see see my family and have, have a little bit of a vacation. I really can't thank you guys enough, and I can't wait to see what's, what's going to happen in uh, 2018. Take care. God bless. Gavin, I loved everything about that voicemail. I think it's one thing to go about just trying to save your extra dollars. But if there's no purpose to it, if, if you don't understand why you're doing it, if you're just framing it as, oh, I'm a frugal weirdo and nobody gets me and you don't realize that you've latched onto a superpower and yes, you're getting control of your finances, but just by being intentional with these decisions, you're getting control over every other aspect of your life and it just spills over into these other lanes. Everything gets better and you don't need to have a master's degree to understand this stuff. I think the reason that people that were adopting this early on were because they got the numbers 
But most of us don't operate off numbers. We operate off stories. Stories add purpose to our life because we relate to people and it gives us the ability to take it off the page and take action on it because we can relate to that person. That's why highlighting your story, highlighting other people's stories is so valuable. Stories are what make the world go round. Yeah, and relating to other people. There's no doubt about it. And that is what we love about these Friday roundups, just getting these voicemails and bringing different perspectives to the community, from the community. That's what's so beautiful about this. It's this virtuous circle. You could just hear the hopefulness in Gavin's voice, right? It was just so obvious there that that he has plans for the future. It's not just this aimless savings, like he said, with no purpose. He has plans now and traveling and, and doing all these things. And you just know once you have that path, it's really very, very easy once you have your why to then to stay on that path and to keep moving forward. And when you have this community there on the Friday Roundup, in the Facebook group every week, every day, right? It's it's just so easy. It's easy to make those changes when you know there are other people with similar stories to you out there doing the exact same thing. And that's why we love these Friday Roundups. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, that's going to bring this episode to a close. Now, I want to just take one second and mention to you that currently... Tickets for Chautauqua have just gone live. You can now purchase them. We don't expect them to last very long. So if you're interested in this, I highly recommend don't wait too long. Go ahead and go get your ticket today. Just go to chooseify.com slash Greece. It'll take you to the page where the tickets are available. That's G-R-E-E-C-E. We're also going to be bringing Jim Collins and Alan Donegan back on the show in an episode coming very, very soon to talk a little bit more about exactly how important this event actually is for the FI community and why we're so excited to be a part of it. So I can't wait to share that with you as well. The final note that I wanted to add on to this is, as you know, we finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we found useful. And we actually do uh, J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. And we also do Dominic Cortuccio's book, Design Your Future, which is very pertinent to the episode that we just had with Corey talking about mindfulness and intentional living. We're also, for the next couple of weeks, offering uh, Vincent Puglisi's book, Freelance to Freedom. And so if you win the drawing and you're interested in that book as well, just message us, let us know. Uh, we'd love to hook you up with a copy of that. So to enter the drawing, it's very simple. Just go to chooseify.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there, leave us a short written review, and then send us an email to feedback at chooseify.com, letting us know that you left a review and what the screen name that you left it under was. We do one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winner on the Friday Roundup. So Brad, how many winners do we have today? All right, Jonathan, we have one winner today, and the winner is Brandon. And Brandon said, Brad and Jonathan do an excellent job breaking down complex financial topics by utilizing in-house experts to make these topics achievable and relatable. I really enjoy their unique backgrounds and the perspective they bring to the FI movement. They're constantly providing listeners with actionable tips that are easy to implement and make a big difference in personal happiness and self-worth, all while moving the needle closer to FI. This podcast is great, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Thank you so much for that feedback. All right, my friends, if you want to support us, there's one very easy thing that you can do today. Just take one second, press the subscribe button on the platform that you're listening to this on. I mean, we're on all the major platforms. I just found out we are now on iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, we're now actually on Alexa. So if you have an Alexa or an Echo, which is well-timed after the halftime commercial, because I had several people email me, you can actually listen to Choose FI, but I want to give a big shout out to MakeMeASkill.com, who actually set this up for us. Uh, if you have an Alexa or an Echo, then all you need to do to enable the skill, you can just say, Alexa, enable Choose FI skill. 
and that'll take care of it. And then from there, you have all sorts of different commands. Uh, there's another, and maybe this is easier depending on the person. You can just go to chooseify.com slash Alexa. That's going to take you to the Amazon page where you need to be logged in, but you can just say enable skill on all your devices. And it also has a list of all the commands there. So two easy ways to listen to Chooseify on your Alexa or your Echo. The future is here, my friends. I got distracted, but what I was trying to say is just take a second and whatever platform you're listening to this on, press the subscribe button. Uh, it just tells the providers that you're getting value from the content and you want to be here when we produce additional episodes. The fire is spreading, my friends. And we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.